0: I want to talk to you I'll begin. I won't get through today, but I will start. The subject is forgive, let it go. We need to hear this, right? You know, good mental health is not living in the past and wishing for what was, nor, nor surmising over what somebody said or did. Good mental health is accepting where you are right now right in the middle of God's purpose and plan for your life, accepting his love, his mercy and forgiveness. And good mental health looks for good things in the future. It's positive, not negative. Is that right? Anyway, something to think about. Another thing I thought about was, you know, Jesus before he was preparing his disciples for his departure. And so, uh, for instance, uh, uh, latter chapters of uh, the book of John, Jesus was preparing his disciples for his leaving. And uh, in doing that in John 13, he said to his disciples, a new commandment I give, this is not in my notes, sorry guys. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. Then he put a qualifier on it, as I have loved you. He He loved them when they were stinkers. He loved them when they didn't do it right, didn't act right. Uh, he, gave, he gave a morsel of bread dipped in olive oil and whatever the goodies they put in the olive oil. He put it right up to Judas's mouth and he's the very dude that betrayed him. Whew. He prayed for Jerusalem, which above among other cities persecuted him perhaps more than any other city. Uh, he prayed for Jerusalem. He prayed for his enemies. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do on the cross, right? So a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then he said this, by this, by this love, and, and I got a whole series I can do one day on that. By this love, all men will know that you're my disciples. By this, all men will know by the love you have for one another. is that good? And, you know, we have completely almost seems like forgotten the golden rule in America. Do to others what you would have them to do to you. We've reinterpreted it. Do to, do to others before they do to you. So then... We come to Matthew 18, my notes here. Then Peter came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Uh, If you you do the math, that's 490. Now, let me tell you what Jesus wasn't saying. Well, you got to forgive him 490 times. Well, I can do that. 489, I got one more time to forgive him. 490, I ain't forgiving him anymore. That's not what he was saying. The idea was keep forgiving over and over and over and don't hang on to what somebody said or did to you. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors who was brought in who owed him a million dollars and millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered uh, him to be sold um, along with his wife, children, everything he owned to pay the debt. The man fell down before his master, begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, can you believe this? He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat, demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king, told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man uh, he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to the prison, to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Hmm. That's what my heavenly father will do to you hmm, if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wouldn't it be crazy to read your Bible, pray, seek God, love your friends, hang on to animosity towards someone you get to the pearlies and there's an angel there that says what 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 you doing where you going i'm going in there well wait just a minute did you forgive so and so well 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 don't work there you got to forgive how many get it it's tall order would you say huh now let me just say this the flesh wants to hold a grudge would that be true how many have been tempted, don't, don't raise your hands to hold a grudge this week? And a lot of people are yielding to the flesh these days. And let's just say we're, we're living in uh, um, heightened times in lots of ways. Emotions are raw. People are on edge. Hmm. i got to see if I want to say this. I know some of you say spit it out raw. No, well, i got to think about this. So, and, and we've in some ways been given permissions To say derogatory things about people we don't like. Did you hear me? Mm, Can I say this? So, in the political realm, everybody knows about all that stuff, right? What's he gonna say next? You know, Trump was president for four years and he had a big mouth. Would you agree? And he's still got a big mouth. Yes, yes or no? Yes. See, I see your eyebrows turning up. What's he going to say next? Yes. Well, there's some things about that man I like. I like the fact that he likes our Constitution. Do you like that? Yes. I, I like the fact that he believes in the Bill of Rights and, 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 the, and the freedoms that we enjoy. Is that good? Yes. See, I can agree with him on those things. Well, what else about him? Well, that's my business and not yours unless you come and ask me in person. The things I don't like is the fact that he's very derogatory towards his enemies and maybe he gives himself permission because people are so, um, I fill in the blank with an adjective to describe them, are so nasty towards him. But in my view, that has become so public and, and, and because such a large leader is doing those kinds of things. Uh, it's giving people permission to be upset with each other. And say things that heretofore would not be said. And then beyond that, we hide behind the door of the internet. And we just let it out. And then we hide. Dude, grow up. And I'm telling you, it's uh, it's we're coming apart at the seams in our culture. And we need the milk of human kindness again. Did you hear what I just said? So if you're one of those that are saying things online at people and you know, one-liners that are harsh and, and it's a retort, and uh, you know you don't like what somebody posted or somebody says. So you just regurgitate some bilge onto them. I don't. You know, I'm trying to be generic here, but uh, you know, you need to stop that because Jesus said forgive. Amen. And I have to ask myself, am I practicing forgiveness, or I'll get into it one of these days. I've got a big old long series on walking in love. Are you walking in the love of God? To walk in something means it it dominates you all the time. Dominates you when you get up, when you eat your lunch, when you're working in the afternoon, when you greet your family at night, and when you go to bed. Love rules you. Jesus said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples. I think we got a lot of work to do in America, don't you? And one of the focal points of that is being willing and ready to forgive Th- those, uh, those that really do things they shouldn't do towards us. And, you know, that's going to happen a lot. Would you agree with that? Uh, it, you'll ne- never have a time in your life that, that somebody doesn't treat you the wrong way or say the wrong thing. You just got to be ready for that. It goes with the territory. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they've kept my sayings, they'll keep your sayings. All right? Wow. So Matthew 24, 5, for many will come. They ask him what it would be like just before he came back. Seems like we're in the season for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end isn't yet. That's what I said this morning, it's not yet. We're not having the battle of Armageddon yet. Jesus isn't coming back yet. We got still got work to do. You know, it's a powder keg, yes, in the Middle East, but you know, it may, it may flame up. It may flame up into another world war, but you know what, we're supposed to occupy till it comes and share Jesus with people, Right? Right? For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrow. That's just the start. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation or that word tribulation, the the, uh, Greek word is thlipsis and it means intense pressure. Like somebody putting a boulder on your chest and asking you to breathe. (sighs) That's hard. Well, hard living. Yeah. They'll deliver you up to hard living and kill you and you'll be hated by all <laughs> excuse me by all nations for my namesake, <clears throat> and then many will be offended mm. now look there why would people be offended because people are saying and doing things that hurt them hmm. will betray one another and will hate one another and then many false prophets will rise up deceive many and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will Grow cold, but he and doers to the end will be safe. Uh, Contemporary English version says, many will give up, betray, and hate each other. Many false prophets will come and fool a lot of people. Evil will spread and cause many people to stop loving others. And he just says, keep on being faithful to the end. Let me look at a new century version. What does it say? There'll be more and more evil. Oh, here it is. At that time, many will lose their faith and they will turn against each other and hate each other Um, and then he goes on to say verse 12 there'll be more and more evil most people will stop showing love their love for each other wow message paraphrase is really good then going from bad to worse it will be dog eat dog anyone everyone at each other's throat everyone hating each other in the confusion lying preachers one thing to be a preacher another thing to be a lying preacher I wouldn't want to be a lying preacher. I'd have to meet Jesus as a lying preacher, wouldn't you? That one stuck out at me and said, Jesus, I don't want to be a lying preacher. So we're going to tell the truth. In the confusion, lying preachers will come forward to deceive a lot of people. For many others, the overwhelming spread of evil. Look at that. Will do them in. Nothing left of their love but a mound of ashes. Wow. Every time I read that, it hits me. And you know, that's kind of where we are today, isn't it? People are giving themselves permission to lay love aside and just say what they need to say. And, friends, you shouldn't be doing that. Quiet in here staying with it, that's what God requires. He goes on to say, stay, uh, stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry, you'll be saved. In Matthew 10, 34, boy, this is a tough one here. Uh, Jesus said, do not think I came to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Wow, wait, wait, Jesus, wait a minute. Now, why'd he say that? Truth divides us under soul and spirit. Truth grabs the heart of a person. And if somebody wants to be a rascal, wants to be a liar, cheat, thief, it exposes it. If somebody wants to be selfish and domineering of others, it exposes it. And that, ex- and that exposing brings anger and angst. Right? If you want to be compliant with truth, it makes you feel good, better. But if you don't want to be... Whoo, it's tough. And that's what he's saying. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword for I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother. What? And a man, uh, where am I at? and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, verse 36, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. If you care about what your family thinks more than what, what God says about you in His Word, you have a personal problem. I started a church in a small town. I'll get to Midland now. I started a church in a small town of about 6,000 people in 1988. That's the hardest thing have ever done in my life. Gee, it's, I might be using to raise the dead. I, you know, I was trying to raise the dead every Sunday. <laughs> but we got people in church. I said, well, what you doing? Because they didn't know. They said, well, I don't believe that. I said, well, okay, then I don't believe that. Then I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I said, what do you believe? What are you doing here? Well, well, and, uh, and, then, and then some people come to my church and say, Well, I like what you're saying, but we're not going to leave our church. I said, Well, how come? They said, Well, Grandma's buried in the, in the gravesite in the back, and Grandpa, and I got a gravesite over there, and the only way I get to keep mine is to stay there. I said, You'd rather be with the dead than the living? You got a problem. Anyway, I don't even know why I said that. Yeah, he who loves son or daughter. More than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. You know, Jesus is going to cost you something. He may cost you some friendships. He may cost you some reputations. If you're young, he may cost you, or older and you don't have a spouse. He may cost you a boyfriend or a girlfriend. They could lead you right to the gates of hell, my friend. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Be not deceived. Evil companionships corrupt good morals. If you got to smoochy smooch more than you want to love Jesus with somebody that ain't saved, you got some big fat problems. I'm really raw today. Lord, help me not be so raw. Do y'all know what I'm saying? He who does not take his cross and follow after me, is not worthy of me. No, walking with Jesus is gonna cost me something, right? It may cost you standing alone when when somebody's wanting to do something uh, at the place where you work and it goes against the grain of your belief system. You may have to say, look, I love my job, but I can't can't do that. I'm not gonna be deceitful. And I'm not going to partner with something I know is immoral. I I can't do that. So I'll do everything else, but I can't do that. So are you willing to do that? That's taking up your cross. We could go into more detail there. Then he says, he who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. So in this environment that we're living in, we got to constantly be willing to walk in love and practice forgiveness, right? Now, I'm not going to get through with this today because there's a lot to say about forgiveness. Let me say this. There'll never be a time in your life that you will not have to exercise forgiveness towards someone. If you want everybody to like you, go live on another planet. It's just not going to happen here. People have different mindsets, and they have different things they like, dislike, and so do you. So you got to be willing to practice forgiveness and take it, and just be willing to take it. Then Jesus said this in Mark 11 right after he talked about, he gave an illustration of faith by cursing a fig tree, and uh, it withered, and then he gave an illustration of faith to the disciples by doing that. Talk to them about faith and, you know, um, speaking to the mountain in Mark 11, 23, and believing you receive when you pray in Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Then he said in verse 25, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, I like amplified, forgive him and let it drop, leave it, let it go. Everybody say, let it drop, let it drop. Leave, it. Leave, it. leave it, let it go. Isn't that good? So what's he say? When when you forgive something, it no longer clings to your thinking. And it no longer comes out of your mouth. We'll talk more about that later. And then he says, why? In order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. Don't you want God to forgive you when you mess up? Don't you go to God at times and say, God, I just messed up with my mouth so bad. Lord, I just messed up through this or that. Forgive me, Lord. And you want mercy and grace? Well, if I don't extend mercy and grace to the people that do what I think is harm to me, how can God do it to me? How can I get grace and mercy from him if I'm not doing that with someone else? And that's what Jesus' parable was there in Matthew 18, right? Wow. He said, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failings and shortcomings. Is Jesus a liar? So here's a question. You say, well, I'm born again. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray, read my Bible, go to church, help people, help little lady across the street. I'm just a nice guy. You get to heaven and you haven't forgiven someone. Do you get in? Well, some people think, well, of course I get in. He was just talking. Jesus never just talked. Uh, He meant what he said. Hmm. I wasn't going to give this illustration, but I am now. There's a guy, I listen, what's his name, Sudar. This is this guy from India I've listened to since 2017. Sadhu Salvaraj is his name. He's just an unusual looking person. He looks like an Indian, older, wise man. He's born again, spirit-filled believer. He's, he's followed after Brother Hagin, but he wears this big old orange robe. Y'all ever seen this guy? He wears, has a big old beard. But you know, and he, said, he just needed to hear what he got to say. And I was, and he said uh, one of his uh, staff members got ill. Here's what he said: one of his staff members got came, became ill. A young girl. She's a real sweet lady. In fact, I think it was somebody that worked on this. He got several hundred people that worked for him, and because uh, he's got a worldwide ministry, you know. And uh, he said uh, she uh, got ill, and uh, and 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 she said, I got to tell you what happened to me. He said, What? She said, uh, Well, I died, and I. Uh, I came I I I I I was gonna to go to heaven that they wouldn't let me in. And I think it was Jesus said to her, Now, you you have you forgiven so and so for such and such? She said, Well, no, I can't let you in yet. And she came back anyway, she got better and something, whatever happened, and the doctors helped her and God helped her and she got well and you know, obviously came back from a near-death, NDE near death experience and shared that with uh Siddhar said, uh, man, it really shocked me. It was a wake-up call to me, and he was just encouraging believers in that. Forgive if you have anything against anybody so your Father in heaven can forgive you. That's pretty weighty, isn't it? Wow, whether you believe that story or not, uh, nonetheless, the scripture seems to indicate that's true. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, get rid of all bitterness. Everybody say, get rid of. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander as well as all types of evil behavior instead be kind to each other tenderhearted forgiving one another everybody say forgiving one another just as god through christ has forgiven you there's a lot there we'll get into it later colossians 3:12 through 14 says god chose you to be holy people he loves you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy kindness humility gentleness patience now, you know, when I read this, I, uh, I started reading the Bible in earnest in 1976, even though I was raised in the church all my life. When I started reading it, I, slow, I would slow her down. I'd be by myself. I'd just take one word at a time. Clothe yourselves. That means that's the first thing people see, Tender-hearted mercy. Hmm. Do people see dis, uh, tender-hearted mercy on you when you respond to things that they say that you don't like? kindness, do they see kindness in your disagreements, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Well, I think I'll read that one again. Make allowance for each other's faults. Don't you want God to make allowance for your (laughs) mess-ups? Every day. And forgive anyone who offends you. You know, Psalm 119 165 says, Blessed are they that love your law and nothing shall offend them. General, you know if something offends me, I need to up my level of love. Just something think about. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Uh, Forgiveness definition here. I got it from Webster. To forgive, to cease to feel resentment against on account of wrong committed. Hmm. To give up a claim of requital from or retribution upon an offender. They owe me something. They're going to pay. I'm going to make sure they pay. I mean, you know, that's kind of opposite of what Jesus was talking about. I've said this for years. What happens in life is not as important as how I choose to deal with it. I can't keep people from treating me a certain way and doing certain things. It's just not possible. The only thing I can control is my response. Is that right? So question, is there anyone right now, ask yourself this, that I hold a grudge or ill will against. Think about it right now. Is there anybody in your life you're in angst against? Hmm. Are there any, here's another way to look at it is, are there any open ended relationships in your life? What do you mean by that? Uh, that is, there's a rift between you and the other person. Question Have you done the due diligence in seeking to work it out? Whether you ever agree or not. Have you uh, have you chosen to agree without being disagreeable to each other? That's a question, right? That's a big deal, isn't it? It's quiet in here. What does unforgiveness do? Let me know. This I just want to talk about this today, and then next time we'll get into the guts of how to forgive and such. And uh, there are three things that I really want to um, uh, talk about uh, this next and uh, really hone in on. What does unforgive say? Well, I you know I don't want to forgive that person. Well. You may not make it through the pearlies, number one, but there's three things here. First thing it does, unforgiveness, how many know it hinders your relationship with Jesus? It actually hard, when I hold something against someone, even if I feel like I've got the right to do it, to some degree, it hardens my heart. You gotta know it. Isaiah 59, one and two. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor is ear heavy, that it can't hear, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. First thing that unforgiveness does it hinders my relationship with the Lord. You know, Jesus said this, John 9, 31. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. You know, somebody said the first prayer that God hears from a sinner is have mercy upon me, O God, save me. Somebody said that. You want to think about that. If I hold unforgiveness, I'm holding sin in my heart. And then, of course, again, Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty six. 26, if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failings and shortcomings. So it's a, it's a blot against my spiritual life when I hold unforgiveness, right? I don't have the privilege of holding anything against anybody, Ever? That's a tall order, wouldn't you say? Hmm? Listen, I've been in ministry since 1981. I've heard things that I could never repeat from people's mouths. In fact, I've had people sit in my office since that time. And uh, I, I pretty much said to them, vowed to them, this will never come out of my mouth. I don't go home and tell Susan everything. People, that's just, she don't know anything. What'd you do? I said, well, I had a good time today. I talked a lot. I talked a lot. I talk to people, I talk to God, and I'm talking to you. Good evening, but I don't talk about it. And you know, uh, I've had people say some things to me that it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that a human being could be so wicked, malevolent, evil. Uh, To young people, to kids. I mean, I've heard some things you wouldn't, you say, nah, it hurt. It hurt to hear it. And I couldn't even imagine how it hurt for the person that was affected by it. But I have seen people, listen, who have been so traumatized that it alters their life and alters how they think about themselves, how they think about others, and how they think about the Lord because they blame the Lord because he let it happen. I'll talk about that in a minute, baby. Wow. And you got to, boy, this is some hard stuff to deal with. That's why it's so quiet. You notice how quiet it, I can hear you chewing your gum. This subject touches all of us, doesn't it? You just, I have to forgive in so many ways. And I've had times I wrestle with God, say, God, I just, I mean, doggone it, I just don't, my flesh just don't want to. He said, You, "Mm Pastor? I said, God, you got to do something about this. And you know what I hear from him? If your enemy's hungry, Give him something to eat. <laughs> if it's thirsty, give him something to drink. In so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. And then I can almost hear him say, yes, you can. If I ask you to do something, I'm not going to make you do something that I don't give you the ability to do. Is that right? <laughs> you got to forgive. The second thing Unforgiveness produces judgments, now hear me out on this one, and wrong expectations. Now I have dealt with this for decades in people's lives, and I've had to deal with it in my own life. So Luke 6, 38, Amplified New Testament, which amplifies the original meaning from the Greek language. Judge not, neither pronounce, Jesus said, judgment, nor subjecting Uh, to censure and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and pronounce guilty and you will not be condemned and pronounced guilty. Acquit and forgive and release. Give up resentment. Let it drop. That's so good. And you will be acquitted and forgiven and released. Give and gifts will be given to you. Now we often look at this in regards to finances, which may be true, but it's not what he's talking about. Give, that is how you treat others, comes back to you. Give and it will be given you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and they uh, while they pour, or will they pour, into the pouts formed by your bosom of your robe and used as a bag. For with the measure you deal out, with the measure you use when you confer benefits on others, it'll be measured back to you. We reap what we sow. Wow. And then this one is always... uh, been really interesting to me, and I've seen this play out in so many ways in people's lives and in human relationship. Listen to this one, and you can't get around this. Every one of us has to deal with it. Hebrews twelve fifteen. Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. You mean you can fall short of the grace of God? Yes, when you f- refuse to forgive. Wow. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. When I think of root of bitterness, it takes me back to my childhood. We had a huge gargantuan garden, half an acre. You can put a lot of seed in half an acre. I promise you. And my job as a boy with my brother, my older brother, was keep the weeds, one of them was keep the weeds out of the garden. And we had crab, y'all know what crabgrass is? Crabgrass is a noxious little weed and it'll aggravate you, silly. And crabgrass has got these little roots and roots that just grow into everything. And my daddy would always say, Now, Mitch, when you pull into grass out of the green bean vines and, you know, out of the, um, uh, out of the corn and out of uh, the butter beans and such, uh, and out of, out of tomatoes, you know, you got to be real careful now because that crab, he showed me a piece of crabgrass and it looks like a little crab, but this just grows way out. He said, that thing's got a big root system. If you're not careful, that root system will go over there to the roots of the plant. And when you pull the crabgrass up, if you're in a hurry, you'll just pull the plant up too. you got to be careful. Now that's what unforgiveness does. It creates a root of bitterness uh, to, to begin with, it's just between you and that person. But the scripture says it springs up, causes trouble, and then by this, many become defiled. It's just between you and that person to start with. And then later on, it affects a lot of other people. Sometimes it just sours the whole personality and it affects everybody. And this person is unable to have healthy, good relationships without being angry, vindictive, and self-centered and without being accusing with every single thing a person does. Y'all, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm silent and I'm, I'm hesitating. There's so many examples of... Uh, Oh I so feel for women who are in abusive relationship and i have I have uh, counseled with women I just, my mind I, I just I just can't go there who were sexually abused at age two, three four five by family members now you know you're Mind and emotions are developing. Your whole person's developing at that age. Your, your personality's pretty much set, they say, by, eight, by age five or six or so, right? you imagine what that, how that traumatizes a kid? And they mix up love with hate and love with meanness. And, and somehow in their minds, love is abuse. So they end up marrying an abuser themselves. Or abusing themselves, it's terrible. Isn't that awful. But see, that's that's the bitter root. And I'm telling you, it takes it takes God Almighty and His power of His Spirit to reach down and, and grab the roots of that kind of thing. You hear me? I've, I've had I've had men come to me so terribly abused physically by their fathers or other family members, such words such harsh words, they could hardly come to church and listen to a man of God preach the word because words, just words themselves put them in angst. It's just terrible. And I could go on and on and on. But here it talks about a root of bitterness. Romans 2, one says this, There are therefore you have no excuse or defense or justification, O man, whoever you are who judges, and condemns another for imposing as judge and passing sentence on another, you condemn yourself. Because you who judge are habitually practicing the very same things you censure and denounce. When somebody hurts us, it can easily, if we don't let it go, cause a bitter root judgment. That is originally a judgment against that person. Should you put onion layered walls of self protection? You don't let people into your private life, your personal life. You can't have a deep conversation because you're trying to keep, uh, keep away from that deep wound and pain. And then you're afraid somebody else. If you're a, a lady who'd been abused by a man or a man who'd been abused by, you know, maybe your mama was a tyrant. You see what I'm saying? You want to stay away from all that, and it creates a bit of root. And then you have walls and layers of self-protection where you just won't, don't want to be real with anybody. You live a life of facade. I don't know what to call it, unreality. You just can't connect with another human being. Many times that's the results of a bitter root towards a person. He says this, it, it springs up and many are defiled. And then he said this in Romans 2, 1, imposing as judge and passing sentence on another. When I fail to forgive, I'm posing as a judge. I'm your judge and jury. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I have to bear the brunt of what you did, <laughs> I done passed the sentence. For imposing as judge and passing sentence on another, you condemn yourself. Ooh. Because you who judge are habitually practicing the very same things you censure and denounce. What happens when you hold unforgiveness towards somebody subliminally? Now, now maybe not in conscious thinking all the time, but underneath the surface, you've got underlying patterns of thinking. Paul said in Ephesians 4, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You have underlying thought patterns. You're, you're not aware. They're rolling around all the time. And they're constantly, constantly censoring and judging this and that, conversations, things people do, things people say, and reminding you of what somebody's doing today, and it reminds you of what they did in yesteryear if you're still holding on to it. Right? And it creates an anger. It creates an angst. And it creates a wall of self-protection that keeps other people out. Wow. That's called a bitter root judgment. It sours the attitude and it can creep into every relationship. So you can, listen. I mean, if I asked, almost anybody's got any age on them in this room. You know anybody that's gone from marriage to marriage? Or? from job to job, or from church to church, right? Now you might say, well, that's me. Well, well, it's okay. It, it can get better. Many times that's the results of bitter roots. You know, let's see what time it is. You know, I was, uh, well, this the year I married Susan. I was uh, 20 years old. I was in a Bible school, and uh, that's when my prayer life started. I started praying. Some of you have heard this before. I started praying, and I would go to the church where they also had a a Bible college there, and I would go up behind where they they had bought an old Baptist church with a pipe organ in it. And those pipes are huge and they got to have a room where you can work on the pipes. I go back behind the pipe organ and they play in the pipe organ. I'm out there praying in tongues. I'm just talking, praying. And I learned how to pray. And then I pray at home. And while I was praying, I got a hold of something. Something's up. Something's wrong. Something's not, something's not good. I didn't know it then, but the pastor was living in gross sin. Nobody knew it. I picked it up praying. Figure that out. So I went to confront him. He called me everything but nice. And no kidding. He told me I was practicing witchcraft. I'm summarizing. This was February, the last day of February, 1979, at 1 p.m. on a Wednesday. And he said, you'll be on your road to hell in five years. Well, my, my mind cabbaged onto that. You'll be on your road to hell in five. And then the devil said, you'll be on your road to hell in five years. You will be on your road to hell in five years. My God, ain't much hope for me. I had to deal with that. They told Susan, she was my fiance. We were gonna get, they wouldn't let us get married. They said, don't marry that boy. That boy is going to be following the devil in five years. He's practicing witchcraft. Well, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. I wasn't in rebellion to him. I was listening to the Holy Ghost and I was concerned for him. You know, when you get mad when somebody talks to you about your stuff, you got a problem. Is that true? Now, why am I saying that? That could have turned into a bitter root and I could have said, all them pastors, all them preachers, all them college professors, they ain't do nothing. They're sinners. They're just lousy people. And I could have walked away from God and not fulfilled his will. So you know what I did? I took my pain to the throne of God and say, God, what that man said about me is a lie. It's not true. I, I don't know what he's doing. You hadn't revealed that to me, but I've got to deal with this. And I choose to forgive him. I called his name. I choose to forgive him for telling me I'm practicing witchcraft. Lord, you searched my heart. As far as I know, I'm not practicing witchcraft. I think he was angry at me. And then I said, Lord, I, know, I, I, I understand your word, your mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And by, by grace, I, I don't believe I'm going to be going to hell in five years. But he said it. And he's a man of God. He's supposed to be a man of the cloth. And I said, uh, I forgive him. And I never told anybody what he said. I told Susan. She's my fiance. And I was crying when I went home. I told my mother. I told my best friend. But I, and I said, don't tell anybody else. And I wept. I wept. I wept. And I went before God and said, God, I forgive this man. And it took me weeks, every day, God, I forgive this man. God, I forgive this man. God, I forgive this man. And you know, uh, he had lots of problems in his life, this man did. And you know what I can say, my heart is clean. If I hadn't have done that, I'm not sure I'd be here. So, you know, whatever's happened to you, maybe you've been terribly abused. I don't think anybody can really understand how it feels. You hear me? How do you understand it unless you walk in another person's shoes? I can't tell a person I understand. Maybe I don't understand, but God does. You say that person created such angst and such pain in me. Somebody's got to hold them accountable. Well, let God do it. Don't do it yourself. Right? Uh, Having said that, Boy, this is another side to coin. I had a man put in prison one time for abusing a child. I thought you're supposed to forgive. Well, I just didn't want him to do it to somebody else. You get that? Right? It's quiet in this Baptist church. Bitterroot judgments create bitterroot expectations. And a bitterroot expectation is where you expect others to act a certain way based on what's happened to you in your past. If your daddy was mean and arrogant and abusive and railed constantly and shouted and accused you, well, you'll think other men are that way. If you had a boss... that took advantage of you, then you'll think authorities will take advantage of you. If you had a pastor that didn't do it right, so you'll have that same ideology about other people who are in ministry. Did you hear me? Right? So you just gotta be willing to deal with the bitter root expectations because it'll affect one person, but eventually it just sours the whole atmosphere of your life. Here's a real simple example, you know, an innocuous example. I was... uh, eight or nine ten years old and i had one friend uh randy was my best friend even before i started school we went to the baptist church together and uh we became friends went to school together had a lot of first-time things together you know as as close friends do and um when I was a little boy, though, I say, Randy. Well, uh, you know, my daddy, our daddy always made me do chores on Saturday, and then Sunday's not chore day. I'd go play a little bit in the afternoon. So I'd ride my bike. It was uh, a different world in the 1960s. How many understand? And my dad would let me ride my bike in the community and go to the railroad tracks. And there's a little road down the railroad tracks. And I'd meet my friends there, and we would go do things together, you know. Well, Randy, I'd say, well, man, Randy, meet me at 3 o'clock, you know. Meet me at 3 o'clock right at the grocery store right by the railroad track, and we'll hang out and go ride bikes together. He'd say, okay. Well, I get there at 3 o'clock. He didn't show up. I mean, I was there at quarter till. And then ten till, then five till, and three. He's not. Randy's not there. And then five after. Randy's not there. And ten after. Randy's not there. Fifteen after. Randy's not there. And twenty after. Randy's not there. And twenty-five. Randy's not there. And I just, you know, pedaled myself home. Randy. He did that to me so many times that listen. When I grew up graduated from my second Bible school, got on staff at, no kidding, got on a staff at a church, had my first secretary. I was a beast because I didn't think anybody would keep their word. And I'd have to check up on them every five, 10 minutes. You gonna do that? You said, are you gonna do that? You gonna do that? They said, dude, you got a problem, man. You about to deal with yourself. And I didn't want to lose my job because Susan was pregnant with our first child. And I said, God, what's the matter with me? He said, Randy's your problem. (laughs) What do you mean, Randy's my problem? Well, you remember when he two times you umpteen times on the bicycle at three o'clock in the afternoon? I said, "Uh uh-huh. You ain't let him go yet. I said, let it go, let it drop. You ain't let it drop yet. And you're holding everybody else hostage. And your secretary's aggravated with you to the nth degree. And if you're not careful, the pastor will say, bye-bye. I said, well, I think I need to deal with myself, don't I, Lord? You get what I'm saying? you got to let things drop. These bitter root judgments and bitter root expectations can certainly hurt and harm life. How many hear me? So listen, I'm talking about this generically, kind of in a broad way. You you could be dealing with this, and it's really serious for you. You've gone to relationship after relationship. Maybe you've become, in some ways, a, a... hard person to deal with yourself because of the things that have happened in your past. Listen, God forgives, and God can heal and help, but you've got to let things go. Now, I've got a lot to say. I just don't have time. If I, you give me several hours at a time, we could get through. We could do a little seminar on and get through it, but we're going to have to come back next Sunday. I've got a lot to say about how to deal with this and how to forgive, all right? But you've got to let it go, and I have dealt with so many people who have had bitter roots and uh, let me skip down through my notes. Here, here's how you can tell. Here's how you can tell. Here's how you can tell if you need to forgive and if you have bitter roots. This is the very bottom of the notes. There's an underlying anger in general in your life. You're just a standoff kind of person. You're the kind of person, ain't nobody gonna get to. Oh, you're not. You can be kind, you can laugh, you can pull a joke, but you're not gonna let anybody in the door of your life. It's kind of a telltale sign. If you can't be transparent, there's something you may be holding on to. You don't want anybody else to see. Maybe you're not willing to deal with it. Here's here's the deal. A lot of people, now I'm getting to wandering around now, a lot of people think if I just forget about that, it'll go away. It will never go away. The hurtful and harsh things of life, they bind themselves to our soul, our mind and our emotions and they affect our will. Did you hear me? And that which affects your minds and emotions affects how you live and how you treat other people. So, so number one, an underlying anger in general in your life or an underlying lack of transparency. You got the walls up and, and, you know, you'll be nice to people, but you don't let them in the door of your life. It's a telltale sign. Secondly, and right along with that, this is the brother or sister to what I just said, lack of trust. You don't trust people. And so you put yourself in positions where you don't have to trust people. And see, that, that causes relationship issues if you're married. It, uh, it causes um, problems on your job, working with others. And it also causes problems in the spiritual life, Try, just trying to work with people in the church, right? Underlying anger in general, lack of trust. Last, lastly, emotional numbness. I've had, oh man, hundreds of people tell me, you know, I just don't feel nothing. I feel nothing. They're stoic. A person, you know, how many know God created you to feel? What's the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. You know what that says? His emotions engaged with what he was dealing with at the moment. And he felt he felt what the family felt when, their loved, when Lazarus died. He felt them. He wept with them. You know, it's hard to weep with others and feel what they feel if, you're, if your emotions are in a deep freezer. How do, you know? well, how do you know if they are? If you've been hurt by someone and you try to not feel the hurt anymore or your way of dealing with it is to ignore it You become numb and you feel nothing. I I could expound on I don't have time to expound on it a lot today, maybe later. But that's true. So if you're a non-feeling person, I don't feel nothing. I know I'm married to my husband. I know I'm married to my wife. And they they know I love them, but I don't feel nothing. Or maybe that empathy that you could have for others where you can identify. Maybe it's just not there. Could be because of those bitter roots you got to get rid of. How many here me? Third, third reason, third thing that unforgiveness does, and I'll, I'll be done with this one, is uh, places undue stress on your body and affects your physical health. Now that's a big one. Now listen, I lay hands on the sick a lot and I'm fully aware that many times when I'm praying for people, they have unfinished business with respect to forgiveness. Now let me say this. So if you're a person and you're sick a lot, you probably have something that's causing you to be sick a lot. Underlying issues. Underlying issues of forgiveness. Listen to Proverbs fourteen thirty: A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Now, you know, according to the Bible, of course, you know, your, your bone marrow creates your blood, right? And, um, if your bones aren't healthy, you're not healthy. And that's what he's saying there. Amplified says a calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body, but envy, jealousy, <coughs> excuse me, and wrath are like rottenness of the bones. He's talking about internal angst there. We're not created to hold worry and we're not created to hold unforgiveness. Uh, Message, paraphrase of that verse says, a sound mind makes for a robust body, but runaway emotions corrode the bones. And let's talk about physical health there too. Uh, Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bone. New King James, New Living says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. I've had a lot of people come up to me and uh, just in talking to them, counseling stuff all, all these years, and they'll say, They'll say things like, I'm just tired. I get up tired and go to bed tired. Uh, but I don't care if I get eight hours sleep, I'm just tired. they say, I'm tired. I'm tired all the time. Well, if you're tired all the time, there's something going on inside that's robbing you and sapping, and sapping your strength. You hear me? You got to deal with what it is. Now, let me say it again. You don't deal with these kind of things by ignoring them. If you ignore them, they never leave you lifelong and you never enjoy the quality of life that Jesus died and purchased for you. How many hear me? Yeah. Woo! Listen, I've got Dake's Annotated Reference Bible, Dake, Janice Finning's Dake, put, put um, just uh, uh, all kinds of stuff beside each verse of the Bible, and here is his uh, quote and notation uh, right beside Proverbs seventeen twenty 22. Two. A merry heart is healthful, But one completely broken in spirit and dejected will develop many physical illnesses. Nothing ruins health more than grief, continual worry, anxiety, fretfulness, bad tempers, hatred, and malice. The end of these things is death. We should rid ourselves of such health-destroying agencies. And then um, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, she's got a lot of stuff online now. She's actually a neuroscientist from South Africa She studies the the human brain and its activities. And she's got a great book called Who Switched Off My Brain that she um, wrote in 2007. I've got it. She got several sequels to it. And this is from page four. She says, your brain can be compared to a prolific factory producing a variety of chemicals depending on what type of emotion you're experiencing. Depending on whether or not these emotions are toxic to your body, the chemicals will either help you or harm you. If they're harmful, they create conditions for a host of health problems that will manifest in both body and mind. Emotions that regularly release, listen, a a torrent of destructive chemicals that will be the most damaging over time are, right at the head of the list, unforgiveness, anger, rage, Resentment, depression, worry, anxiety, frustration, fear, um, excessive grief and guilt. And then she went on to say, research shows that around 87% of illnesses can be attributed to our thought life and approximately 13% to diet, genetics, and environment. That's, astound- that's astounding to me. huh? Studies conclusively link more chronic diseases, also known as lifestyle diseases, to an epidemic of toxic emotions in our culture. These toxic emotions can cause migraines, hypertension, strokes, cancer, skin problems, diabetes, infections, allergies, just to name a few. Studies also point to a direct correlation between anxiety, fear, and heart palpitations, irritable bowel syndrome, tension headaches, heart problems. Quite simply, there's no longer any doubt that what and how you think affect your emotional and physical state. The mind and body are integrally Related, do you hear me? 2013. I'm I'm pretty close to closing here. I got one more thing to mention, and we'll be done uh, after this illustration. Uh, 2013. We got this building because I had a bike accident and broke my left arm. My humerus, one of the largest bones in your body, is right here. I was uh, riding my bike on the New River Trail and tried to navigate a 90 degree turn on a wet bridge, and I ended up going too fast, and I broke my arm, and I fell on a piece of metal, and I heard it snap. snap and when it snapped. You know, uh, I still remember how it felt when my bike fell and uh, I had f- you know, four layers of clothes, cold outside, four layers of clothing on and all. And when I fell, my, I had a helmet on, thank God. I would be cuckoo if I didn't. I, did. <laughs> I hit my head hard. I hit my head, not just my arm, I heard it go snap and then my head bounced. And then, and then I was looking up at the clouds because it was a cloudy day. And I was doing something, I said, there's grit in my mouth. What is that? What is that grit in my mouth? My, my teeth jammed together when I hit. I hit so hard. Well, well, no, no problem that day with my mouth. They, of course, you know, fixed my arm and all that. And, uh, but, but by May, I woke up one morning, and y'all, I had the worst pain in the world right here. Is that your eye tooth right beside your big tooth on my, on my right side? And uh, I said, man, that hurts so bad. I went to the dentist. He said, tell me what you did. He said, you've had trauma to your tooth. He said, your tooth is dying. I said, what do you mean my tooth is dying? He said, the root of that tooth is dying. It's done. And that's why you're having the pain. And then, oh, the lights went on. Oh, when I had the car, when the bicycle wreck, and when I jammed my mouth together, you know, my teeth jammed, and uh, just a little tiny, small, smaller than the grain of sand slivers, of my bottom tooth just came off and then the and then the 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 reaction of of the the force of falling all of that um uh power went up into my top tooth my bottom tooth deflected it by just slivering a little bit you get it so so what happened the force didn't go into the bottom tooth because it broke a little bit but the top tooth Absorbed it all. It went into the root, took five months and killed it. Compare that to traumas in life. You got to let it go. You say, let me say, here's what I've heard people say. I'm afraid I'm going to go crazy if I go back and deal with it. You will not go crazy. Will you cry? You might, you might not even cry because it's all in the deep freeze. But you know what will happen? God will deal with you and help you. And we'll talk about this later. You can take the Lord back to the area of trauma in your life. Say, God, I've not talked to anybody about. I've had people say I've never told, you don't know how many people have told me I've never told this to a living soul. You know, when somebody tells me that I don't want to cry, it's like, what right do I have to hear that? Except that I'm a pastor. And I won't tell anybody. That hurts. You understand that hurts people. But um, if you'll take your stuff to God and there's ways to do it, sometimes if it's really tough stuff, you just need another human there to let you know it's normal for you to feel pain. It's normal for you to feel the loss and the hurt, but let's let it go. You won't lose your mental equilibrium. You'll be okay and we'll help you through. How many understand what I'm saying, right? So again, listen, you got to be sensitive with this subject. In you know, a room this size, you got people that have had, you just don't know. You just don't know what the person beside you is dealing with in life. You know, all men are created and women are created equal, right? But not everybody has an equal start in life. And so for you to smile and shake hands and hug a neck and Say it's wonderful to be with other people in church. That might be easy for you. But for another person just to smile and come in the door, that may be hard. Yes or no? See, just have some space and grace on people. You can turn an adjective to a verb. You've heard me say this before. Hurt people. Hurt people. Or an adjective, yeah. Hurt people hurt people. So if you're that person, then maybe you've said, Well, well maybe you don't want to get to know me too close because I might hurt you. Well, deal with the unforgiveness, deal with the trauma of what's happened to you. I got a lot to say, but see, I ran plumb out of time. If we could have the sun stand still, you know, we we could do this, but otherwise, it's going to take a few Sundays. Yeah, that's happened before. Wasn't selfish though. Let me also mention this. You can be angry at God. Now I was praying and came up on this one. Listen to me. You can be angry at the Lord because of what has happened in your life or what he's allowed to happen. Everybody, I want to go home. You want to hear this. I'm looking at the clock's looking at me strong, but I got to get this out. So listen, I got till 12, are you serious? Come on, Jesus. Listen, I'm not gonna do that to you. Just listen. So here's here's questions, people. If God is almighty and he's sovereign, why did he let this happen to me? Why did he let it happen? I don't know. When bad things happen, you know, humans are mean. Desperately wicked, Jeremiah said. The heart is corrupt. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because people are bad. Some people are bad to the bone. And they want to be, and they don't care what they do to you. Right? Huh? So, so, so bad things happen because of the human will that is turned against God. So, well, why can't God keep stuff from happening? Honestly, can I just say it this way? Jesus said it like this The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's a thief loose. He robs, he kills, he steals. And he wants to harm every family, every human. And he wants bad things to happen. I mean, what better way to get at God who kicked him out of heaven than to make you aggravated and hurt? So he's gonna do in his best. Remember Job chapter two? Here come, here come the devil, right, in, right with the angels of God up to the throne of God. Have you seen your servant Job over there? He says he's righteous above everybody. He got a lot of money, he's got a lot of family, got a lot of cows and he's got a lot of sheep and horses and you know what? (sighs) If something bad happens to him, he gonna curse you and God says, he loves me, I have his heart. And because Job was full of fear, he said, Satan, he's already in your hands. Go read Job 3.25. The enemy, the thief doesn't come. God's not a thief and a robber. He didn't kill and maim your relative. He didn't cause your relative to die early. He didn't cause the accident and the tragedy. He didn't, he didn't cause one person to live and die on the battlefield. There's a lot of factors involved. I mean, God is always good. He's never bad, he's always good. There's not a shadow of, tra- he doesn't change like the seasons. I am the Lord, I do not change. So you gotta deal with this. You say, well, why was I born in this family? Why did that person abuse me? Why did my daddy have to die? Why did my mama leave my daddy? Why is there divorce in my home? Why, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Because people are mean. And some people don't do life right. And sometimes you're the innocent victim of somebody else's self-centeredness. And then somebody, and then sometimes it's just you. Sometimes you did it. Well, I made the wrong choice. I made the wrong decision. Sometimes you got to say, well, (laughs) I got to grab that when I'm responsible for that, right? And then sometimes you just don't know. Uh, Every year, you know, I celebrate things. uh, November 1, 1998. Listen to this. We still support a ministry, Living Water Teaching, in Quezaltenango, Guatemala. November 1, 1998, they owned a DC-3. Aircraft. It was actually the aircraft that was in the uh, Rocky movies, uh, movie number three, maybe. Anyway, they bought that aircraft, refurbished it, and they just went all over Guatemala with that aircraft. Bottom line was it crashed and I was there and it killed the, the uh, founder of the ministry, his son, his son-in-law. And uh, the administrator of the ministry and, and both pilots, and his son, of course, was one of the pilots. So, um, the top five guys in the ministry died immediately. I was there. Susan was there. We had, <coughs> excuse me, eight people from my church there. <coughs> and, uh, whoa, you say, why? Why? That was a man of God. He's a man of integrity, a man of faith. Why didn't God speak to see you? you got a why, why, why question? Why didn't God speak to his wife and have her pray? Why couldn't his ministry staff? Why couldn't they travail and pray and keep that from him? Do you know the answer is? I oh, don't know. I don't know. Deuteronomy 20. I heard Kenneth Hagin say this back when I was a young believer. He says some things you'll never figure out this side of heaven. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this. The secret thing belongs to the Lord, our God. But those things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever. Why did my wife turn against me? Why did my spouse divorce me? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did that tragedy occur? Why was I born with this? Why, 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 why? I don't know. We just live in a fallen world and the devil is mean. And the thief comes to steal. But the moment you start blaming God, you immediately lose. You hear me? There's a lot of things I can't explain. And if I can't explain it, I don't try to explain it. I just say, you know what? God is good. We see through a a mirror darkly. We see through a glass darkly as in a mirror. And the mirrors of those days were very blurry. We don't understand it all. But you got to give it up. But if you hold offense towards God, you lose in a terrible way. So as we leave today, give it up. Release God. Stop holding him accountable. For what happens sometimes, God can't because somebody wouldn't do something. Did you hear me? Huh? I mean, since I've been known the Lord, I've been close to dying four times, and only by the grace of God do I get out of it. And you know, every single time somebody was praying for me. I mean, what if they hadn't pray? prayed? Well, I might be you know, pushing up some daisies somewhere, and you have another pastor. That's a reality. What if somebody didn't obey God when you got a trauma? Well, that could be tough, right? So you can't, you can't say, well, I'm the big mighty man or a woman of faith and power and nothing bad. You don't know what might happen to you. You need to let the grace of God be on you and hope people are praying for you and pray yourself. Amen, amen. Huh? See, people, see, I feel the questions in the room. <coughs> don't forget <coughs> that when Adam sinned, the authority that God gave Adam and Eve over the earth was immediately transferred to Satan. Several places in the New Testament, Paul calls Satan the God of this world. Second Corinthians four four. Jesus said, Matthew fourteen thirty, the prince of this world comes, speaking of Satan, and he has nothing in me. And then First John five verse nineteen, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the embrace of the wicked one, according to what translation you read. So, Summarize that. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience. Furthermore, you got principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in our places. Furthermore, you got Daniel praying and fasting for three weeks for an answer about his people, Israel. And it took the angel, it took Michael, three weeks to battle through the prince of Iran today just to get an answer. And you wonder why you got problems? We live in a nasty world. That's why it pays for you to suck rug and seek God every day and read your Bible and say, God, help, 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 help. Invade my space. Change me, help me. Minister to me and start saying what you believe. I'm going to live a long time without tragedy. Huh? Right? And so, pastor, I've had lots. Well, give it to Jesus and don't, don't, Blame God. The moment you blame God, you immediately lose. You say, well, that's hard to do. So say, well, you're going to, have to, you're going to have to give it up somehow. Ask him to help you give it up. Right? <laughs> All these things immediately come to me. There's a person that you've been deeply traumatized by a person who, who was in ministry. And you need to let that thing go. See, I feel other things. We got multiple divorces in the room. Man, that was hard as crazy to deal with. There are innocent victims of divorce, my friends. And you can hold yourself accountable when really it was the other person. There's nothing you could have said or done to make a difference. Eh, You got your part to play, yes, but they are what they are, right? You got to let it go, y'all. Got to let it go. Financial failures. Wow, business things, premature deaths. Stuff hurts. Gotta let it go. I know this is a lot. Let's go eat breakfast. What do you? Think? Let's go have let's do something before we do. Don't go anywhere. Just stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Lord, how do I do this? My goodness, I wandered into something here. Here we are. Could you just close your eyes a minute and ask God to help you? You know, you know, you don't play anything yet. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him. In his presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender God, Now, Father, keep your eyes shut. I just pray for every person in the room, including me. Lord, for every trauma where the mind and the emotions and the thoughts are, God didn't do anything. Why? I ask for grace for every person that's dealing with with an offense against you. I ask you to help every person that has a questioning towards you and your character and your fatherly care, and why it didn't work in that situation. Lord, let the Spirit of God begin to affect a work in each one that has to deal with that right now, in Jesus' name. Lord, let the Spirit of God work in this room, sir. I ask you, grab the hardness, grab the crusty heart. Lord, grab the person with layers of protection all around their life, in Jesus' name. And help those persons to let you go and to forgive you. Uh, Father, I I pray for every person who has to deal with some really deep-seated traumas. And and they've not faced them yet because they're afraid to face them. You can play a little bit now. I'll tell you when to quit. It's okay. That's what I'm singing. I, I have to hear the song. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Help each person with, uh, wow, whoa, mental trauma, emotional trauma, physical trauma, (laughs) sexual trauma. Lord, let the grace of God come in this room. Lord, let the power of God flood us in Jesus' name and unseat these things that have been so deeply embedded in human personality in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we go our way today, as we deal with ourselves, as we read and pray and seek, help us to find you and release these things to you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Okay, so, so, so before we go here, my goodness. Let's do this. Um, Let God off the hook. You say, I don't know how, I'll help you. You got to do this stuff by faith. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It produces emotions, but not to start with. You just got to say, okay, God, I'm going to let you off the hook. Will y'all help me do this? I'm not going to point anybody out because this is real tender, personal stuff, and I get it, all right? But you know, God can deal with you in your seat. So everybody just close your eyes and pray out loud with me. And and, and if it doesn't affect you, well, you're helping somebody it does affect. All right? Will you do that? Is that good? Is that fair? All right, so, so, so everybody pray this out loud and see if you need this, grab it and make it yours. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You knew me before I was born. Every day of my life, was, was penned in your book before I ever lived it. And Lord, I come in Jesus' name. I have judged you for some of the things that have happened in my life. Why did you not keep it from happening? Why didn't you deal with the other person or the situation? Why did you let the trauma happen? I have all these questions. And I don't have answers for them. And I have blamed you. And Lord, you are good. I just sang it. You are good. And your mercy endures forever. I want you. And I want you from my heart. And I want to be real with you. And I don't want to skirt around this stuff anymore. So Lord, I lay my life before the throne of God. And Lord, with my heart, by faith, I forgive you for the things that have happened to me that I've blamed you for. I forgive you. Lord, if this side of heaven, if I don't understand all of the dynamics, I choose to let it go and let that go from you. I love you. I ask you, maybe I don't even know what a father is, but be a father to me and help me talk to me and minister to me in my private, personal time in the name of Jesus and help me to let all of this go. Father God, I forgive you for any grudge that I've held against you. For anything that's ever happened in my life in the name of Jesus. Ha. Now let me pray for you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every person in this room who, had had, who have had traumatic things happen to them. People have said things and done things, all sorts of things. See, I feel out over here, I can feel an accident boy so many questionings why 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 i just feel all this stuff in the room lord i'm asking you in jesus name for every person in the room that you would become very personable with us lord i ask you to answer this request of mine as a pastor so many people here are having to deal with so many things i just feel them I ask you that as we leave, that the anointing of God would come on every person. And when they open their Bibles in a private place, wherever it is to read, and when they pray, wherever they do their personal praying, that the Holy Spirit would begin to nudge them and talk to them about letting things go that they have held on to in the name of Jesus. Lord, have them talk to you about it. Have them minister to you about it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Now I command every demonic force that has held sway over every individual that has had trauma. You leave them in Jesus' name. I command you leave them in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask for the Holy Spirit to rise up in each person that's dealing with this. And any person here that doesn't know Jesus, put a yearning in them to know you and to walk with you and to be real with you. And Lord, I just give thanks for that right now in Jesus' name. Lord, let this be a week where the dealings of God come into every life, into every home, into every private place, into every closet that Jesus talked about where we enter a closet shut the door. In Jesus' name. And Lord, may the traumas, may the traumatic parts of personality be made whole. Lord, work it out in Jesus' name. Give me wisdom, Lord, as I go here next week to say what I need to and nothing that I shouldn't. Let your grace be on us, sir. Could you lift your hands with me, y'all? And just thank God for his loving kindness. For his tender mercies as you do, I would invite my people to help me pray. If you come up front, please. And just make your way down here. If you need prayer for anything as we conclude the service, we'd like to make that available to you. Glory to God. You say, Pastor, what do I do with all this? Well, come back next week. We're going to keep talking about this. I'll get some real practical things. I have some very practical things that will help. Lord, I don't want to leave people raw. I don't want to do that at all. So, Father God, those that really need to pray and talk right now, Have them come forward. If you need prayer about anything in life, as we close the service, come down. If you need to make Jesus Lord of your life, you know, he'll cleanse you, free you, redeem you, deliver you, and help you. He loves you just the way you are, but he'll change you from where you are and bring you into a different direction of life if you'll let him. And today, if you need him, you want him, come down front and meet him as we conclude the service afterwards.